Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Foo followers around the world. Welcome to episode 24 of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. My name is Ben Johnson, and this is the first episode of season three of the show. Listen, our global Kung Fu community is expanding. That is why we have recently launched our own monthly newsletter. Head to kungfumovieguide.com and type in your email address and become a registered Foo follower today. Not only do you get to read about the latest martial arts movie news, but you'll also get exclusive access to free stuff. And who doesn't like a bit of free stuff every now and again? Anyway, sign up today at kungfumovieguide.com. And if you like what we're doing, why not recommend this show or the website to a friend and help to spread the word of the Kung Fu Movie Guide? Okay, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for downloading. Let's get on with the show. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. Hello, Foo followers around the world, wherever you are, wherever you're based, wherever you're listening to this. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. We're in March already. That's kind of crazy. I've been busy the past few months beavering away, recording uh, interviews for season three of the show. Can't wait to share these episodes with you over the coming months. More on that in a second. First of all, uh, it's a special bumper edition of the show today with not one but two guests. In a moment, we're going to hear from Bruce Leroy himself, the star of the Colts 1985 film The Last Dragon. Ty Mock is on the show. And it is pronounced Ty Mock, by the way, not Ty Mac. Ty Mock Guariello uh, is his full name. I called Ty Mock in New York back in January uh, to discuss uh, quite a few things, his life and career, uh, but also his latest martial arts movie project, uh, which is called Master. Uh, this looks pretty cool. There's an Indiegogo page out there with some test footage uh, and more backgrounds on the project. And I'm also going to put those video links, which are also on YouTube. I'm going to make those links available on this episode's page on our website. Master is very much inspired by the old school kung fu movies that Tai Mok was uh, watching uh, growing up. Uh, so we talk quite a bit about that, but of course we also uh, talk about his wonderful acting debut uh, at the young age of 19 uh, in Barry Gordy's classic The Last Dragon. It's an inspired mix of comedy and kung fu and Motown music. Uh, if you've not seen The Last Dragon, then you really should. It's an absolute treat. Uh, and it still holds up today. I saw it again quite recently, and it's just still a, uh, it's such a, a magical uh, movie. Uh, Time Mock spends 
a lot of his time going around the world, meeting fans and attending screenings of The Last Dragon, doing live Q&As, that sort of thing. There's always packed out theatres wherever he goes, which is really uh, wonderful to see, particularly because uh, the, the Last Dragon wasn't a massive hit uh, when it initially came out in the 1980s, but uh, it seems that it now has finally found its audience after 30 years or so. So that is really good to see. So Ty Mark is on the show. That is coming up in a bit. But before that, I also have a quick conversation with the actor and budding filmmaker Daniel Liu. Uh, Daniel is based in Hollywood. He dropped me an email uh, and said that he had just released a Kung Fu movie and he wanted to come on the show to talk about it. And uh, I said, sure, why not? Daniel's film is called Kung Fu Theatre. It's free on Amazon Prime. He basically made it with no money whatsoever, uh, but it's uh, a pretty funny watch. And uh, like Ty Mok, uh, Daniel was also very much inspired by those old school Shaw Brothers and Bruce Lee movies uh, that he watched growing up. So it was really nice to chat to him. Uh, and it's also great to just hear stories from people who have pursued their passions. And Daniel's story is, uh, is very inspiring in that sense. So um, uh, great to talk to him. That's coming up very shortly. Um, I wanted to mention that if you are a fan of the Kung Fu Movie Guy podcast, it would be awesome if you guys could visit our iTunes page, um, give us a star rating or write a little review. Uh, this really helps to boost the show in the Apple podcast ratings and hopefully attract even more listeners as well. So if you could pop along and do that, that would be awesome. Uh, we are, of course, available across plenty of other podcast providers, uh, including SoundCloud. And I just wanted to quickly draw your attention to our SoundCloud page because um, that's where I've been dropping a few uh, exclusive clips from the show over the past few months. I'm not sure whether this will be a regular thing or not, but uh, for the time being at least, uh, there's some podcast related stuff over there which won't fall into your normal feed so if you wanted to go along to the SoundCloud page uh, and check out those bits and bobs then uh, go ahead and do that um, also as I'm sure you're already aware particularly UK Foo followers uh, amongst us uh, our friends at the Fighting Spirit Film Festival are hosting the UK big screen premiere of Accident Man uh, in Birmingham on the 7th of April the film's star, producer and co-writer Scott Adkins will be there in person. He's doing a live q and I'm going to be there too, so if you are going to the event, do pop over and say hello. Uh, tickets are available right now from FightingSpiritFilmFestival.com. So, it's great to be back with you guys. Uh, the last show that we did, episode 23, uh, was our 2017 end-of-year roundup show uh, with the writer uh, Mike Fury. If you haven't heard that show, it was great fun. Please do go back and, and check that one out if you haven't already. We've got another 10 episodes lined up for you in this season. Uh, which will be dropping every couple of weeks or so as we make our way through 2018. I do love to hear from you guys regarding the show, so please do get in touch with me if you have any questions or feedback, uh, and I always do try and respond when I can. So we're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. The email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, 
Without any further ado, let's get on with the show. Lots to cram into today's show. Let's go over to my conversation now with Daniel Liu. Daniel's movie is called Kung Fu Theatre. It lasts precisely 53 minutes. It has no budget whatsoever, but he made it anyway, and you've got to admire that. Uh, and because Daniel and Tai Mok are such huge fans of Shaw Brothers and old-school Kung Fu movies, it seems only appropriate that uh, I start my conversation with with Daniel, uh, with this uh, lovely piece of music. So here we go. Here is my conversation with Daniel Liu. Let's have a chat about Kung Fu Theatre. I went onto Amazon, I watched this. I saw it the other night. It's good fun. What was the inspiration to do that uh, film then, Daniel? Did you always want to make a Kung Fu movie? Yeah, so growing up, I you know I grew up in the eighties. You know I'm kind of dating myself right now, but that's okay. It's public information. That's fine. I'm an eighties. <laughs> I'm an eighties guy as well, so don't worry. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so so basically, growing up, it, in I'm from Houston, Texas, and during Saturday mornings at around noon, when all the cartoons were over on the UHF channel, right? They had Saturday Morning Kung Fu Theater. The very first Saturday Morning Kung Fu Theater movie that I actually saw was Enter the Dragon. Wow, that's a good start. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was the first time I saw a Chinese guy as the lead of a movie and also a Chinese guy that was actually muscular and to where I was, I, I asked my dad, is that fake? Are those fake muscles? Yeah. Because I've never seen a Chinese guy look like that before. Yeah. So that was like, no, no, that's real. That's Bruce Lee, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just on that point, Daniel, we don't get Kung Fu theatre wasn't really a thing over here in the UK. If there's listeners around the world who aren't too sure what that's referring to. What was it, a sort of weekly uh, thing where they would, just, they would just play Kung Fu movies? Yeah, so they would pick a Kung Fu movie, a Chinese Kung Fu movie, and they would badly dub it in English to where, yeah. you know, the looks wouldn't match, you know, everything would be completely off. And then you would have like the really cheesy, like punching sounds, you know, and it would be like, hoo, he, ha, ho, ho, yeah. that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And it was like, it was cheesy in that way, but it was so much fun. It was so, I mean, to, to watch these people, even back then, like the way they were fighting, they were like incredible fighters, you know? But uh, I had the idea of the movie of Kung Fu Theater, the movie that I just did. Um, when I would probably like 15 years ago, I just thought it'd be cool to kind of bring like, like a kind of modernize an old school Kung Fu movie and just with comedic elements. So, and then finally, uh, one of my friends, he, he's also a producer out here in LA. He came up to me and said like, Hey, why don't we film some, why don't we do something? Uh, it'd be good just to like, you know, film something and then put something out there. And then I said, I have the perfect idea. So I was able to recruit some of my friends and they were all on board. And from that, I created Kung Fu Theater. If you were to set it up uh, for the listeners, what would, how would you introduce uh, Kung Fu Theater? So Kung Fu Theater is kind of like the classical uh, guy who got bullied, who needs to get revenge on the bad guy. He finds a master. However, this ma- he finds a master, but the master has an interesting twist. He's really good with women. And... Yeah. Through teaching him how to, to, to be with women, he also teaches him how to do kung fu. And then also, too, the master, he has a bit of a secret of how he uh, he has a finishing move called the shadowless kick. Yeah. So he's, there's a secret uh, trick 
to doing the shadowless kick that can just knock out any opponent. Yeah, and we won't give away what that is uh, for this. Uh, we don't want to spoil it for anyone. Um, but it's very funny, and I'm wondering what were your touch points when you were making it for uh, in, you know influence wise. I loved all the John Clive Van Damme movies. I love Bloodsport. I love Kickboxer. I added some of those elements. Uh, Jackie Chan, of course, just because of the, of the comedy. Sammo Hung, just uh, I, I, you know, with the shadowless kick, you know, the whole secret of the shadows, shadowless kick. I figured that that just so out there, just so silly that it's something that Jackie Chan would do, you know, or yeah. uh, a Stephen Chow would do, you know. Just describe what the shooting schedule was was like for this. Then we literally had zero budget. Yeah, we had to pull favors from everyone, so it, it was just filming whenever we could. And it was guerrilla style filming, which means we filmed without having permits. So this actually took me five years to make. I mean, I didn't anticipate it for for it to take that long. But you know, when you don't, when, don't, when you don't have a budget, it just you can film you film whenever you're able to. I'm guessing this is the first film that you've directed as well as you know written, and you're in the film as well. You play the villain in the movie. Looking back over that process, what were the main uh, challenges? Would you say that you, that you faced? The main challenges were really just um, in the final processes. It was really just the editing. Editing yeah. took a long time. The sound editing took a long time. And then luckily we were able to find the actors uh, relatively easy. I mean, it took a while to find really good fighters because I wanted to match up different fighters of you know, what their strengths were and, um, and kind of like create a story about, about the tournament, you know, at yeah. the very end of the tournament. So I wanted to match up people that actually made sense. Like the people that I fought, I wanted to fight the more the bigger guys to make it look like, you know, I'm defeating the bigger guys. And Jimmy, he's much smaller, so I wanted him to show off his agility. So I needed to find people that had really good agility in, in their martial arts. And yourself, of course, Daniel, you're in the movie. I, I sensed a sort of Bolo Young-style menacing uh, kind of approach to this. Is that fair to say? Yeah, which is why I said I love blood sports. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, one in one scene where I fight the sumo guy, I it was a direct copy of uh, yeah, Bill Young's, you know, stomp. You know, we should say you're obviously you you work out quite a bit. So you do bodybuilding. Is Bolo someone who, uh, you, you know, is a is an inspiration? Do you you look up to that guy? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of my friends people call me Bolo just because I guess yeah. there's no other like you know muscular Asian guy out there <laughs> that they can yeah. compare me to. Now, we're even. Your, your background, you were in the Survivor uh, TV show, weren't you, in, uh, in, in America. That has sort of helped your career in a way, I, I guess, has it? Yeah, because when I first was on Survivor, um, I wanted to move. I was living in Houston, Texas, and I was working as a corporate tax accountant. But I knew that that wasn't the path I wanted to take in life. And... Yeah. But it was really hard to just leave a good job. I mean, I have a degree in finance, so it was really hard to just up and leave and say, oh, you know what, I'm going to give this all up. I'm just going to do acting. So I needed a reason why, a good reason, you know. And so Survivor was my favorite show at the time. And so I applied, and I said to myself, if I apply, it means I beat out so many people. At the time, 60,000 people applied to be on the show. If I made a show, it meant that I was at least good enough for something, you know, that would give me some type of evidence that I was good enough. So... I made the show, and I was like, all right, that's it. That's the sign I needed. So I haven't looked back since. Did I read right? You, did you get malaria when you when you were out there? Is that right? I read I that did, somewhere. I did. I am still the only contestant ever on that show to get malaria. And because we're in the Amazon jungle in Brazil. Yeah. 
And I still, I took all the medication that I needed. Uh, I took it longer than I needed to just because I was so worried about malaria. But because I was so worried about it, I think it just, you know, I invited that, you know, I sent that into the universe. So right. about a month later, after I got home, I got malaria. So, but I recovered. Oh well, it's an inspiring story because obviously off the back of Survivor, you must have had a, a thought of, um, you know, do I go back to Texas and uh, and stay there or do I pursue my dream of acting? And, you know, you, you clearly, you know, made that leap. And, you know, a lot of people don't do that, do they, Daniel? Yeah, one of the things that really struck, stuck out to me was I was asking my coworkers in accounting, like, is this your dream job? Is this like, if, none, if money was no object, what would you be doing? Yeah, And they would always tell me a different answer. It would never be, oh, I love doing this. It would be, I like doing this because it pays the bills, but something else. And so they always gave me a reason why. Kids or this was, they had too much debt or, or whatever. Whatever excuse they had, They're, they weren't living their dreams. So I thought to myself, I cannot live my life with regrets. You know, if I try acting and I fail, at least I tried and at least I knew I did everything I could. So, you know, I, I took a leap of faith and it wasn't, you know, it was pretty scary. But I learned that, you know, no matter what, you should always pursue your dreams because it won't kill you. How about that? You'll survive. What advice would you give to people who, you know, are probably sat in that job where they're not really loving it and they would like to pursue something similar and creative? Um, you know, what what steps should they take? Should they be, should they actually, you know, just pick up a camera and just start filming, you know, their, their dream project? I mean, uh, you know, what would your advice be? Okay, so nowadays with technology and with the internet, with YouTube, with, uh, you know, Instagram, Anyone can do it now. You don't need like an expensive camera. You can just use your iPhone and film something. Film something, something small, and put it up. It's actually a lot of fun once you actually are doing something that you enjoy doing because that enjoyment just keeps snowballing and it keeps building up and up and up. And then before long, you're like, oh, hey, you know what? This is not very scary. This is not scary at all. I love doing this. And this is the way of facing your fears. Kung Fu Theatre now is live, so anyone listening to this can just go onto Amazon Prime, uh, and it's free as well, isn't it? You can just go and uh, and watch the movie. Right, right. It's either free with Prime or it's free with ads. So, you know, you click on it, there's an ad. If you don't have Amazon Prime, you can still watch it for free. Daniel, thank you so much for talking to me today, and best of luck with, uh, with everything. Yes, thank you, Ben. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're a pretty good fighter. You didn't do too badly yourself. Daniel Liu there. Great to talk to him. His film is called Kung Fu Theatre. It is available right now on Amazon Prime for free. Uh, I'll put a link to it as well on the website. Uh, Daniel is also on Instagram. You can follow him at Daniel Liu Official. Okay, Ty Mock. What an absolute treat it was to spend a bit of time talking to him. Bruce Leroy himself. He has the power of the glow, obviously. If you've seen The Last Dragon, you'll understand what I'm talking about there. Uh, and uh, he shares with us some great insight on what it was like to make that movie, what it was like working with uh, Barry Gordy, the Motown music legend, uh, and also working with his co-stars, Julius Carey, who played Shonuff, 
the Shogun of Harlem uh, and uh, the singer Vanity as well as co-star in uh, The Last Dragon. But he also shared some great stories about, you know, growing up in New York in the 1970s and 80s, which was obviously a very different New York to uh, the New York that we know today. He's had a particularly colourful upbringing. Uh, His parents were very much uh, socialites of the time and very popular with a number of celebrities, uh, particularly when he lived in the UK for a time in the 1970s. Uh, He has memories of meeting people like Mick Jagger, Liza Minnelli and David Bowie. Actually, if you are a Bowie fan in particular, there's a very nice uh, Bowie anecdote uh, in this episode of the show. So stay tuned for that. He also talks a lot more about his upbringing in his autobiography. So I just wanted to point you guys in the direction of his book, which is called The Last Dragon. Obviously, it's called The Last Dragon. So go and check that out if you want some further reading about the life and career of Ty Mock. Uh, He's still training. He's still fighting fit and healthy, and he's still super passionate about the martial arts as well he's also been creating a lot of his own projects lately one of which is master but there's some other projects that he's got on the go at the moment so that's super exciting anyway without further ado let me hand you over now to my conversation with ty mark guariello I grew up in, and uh, I spent time in Europe when I was a kid, and I lived in London. So, yeah. yeah, you know, you know London quite well. Then, have you been back since? You know, only once, and not for very long. But uh, there's a gentleman doing a um, a Last Dragon screening in Switzerland for the 18th time. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, he was talking to me about uh, enrolling other people in europe to have screenings out there so people can meet me because i've never done anything except for one time in berlin last year you must be surprised at sort of the reactions i guess it's uh, when you're going around just particularly other countries as well to um see the reaction of that movie that must be quite a uh, humbling experience is it yeah 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 i mean i'm used to it now uh, yeah but it's always it's always kind of uh it's always fun and it's always surreal you know, because yeah. it's such a people love the movie so much, and then a lot of new young people, new people. You know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll talk a little bit more about Last Dragon, I guess, in a in a little bit. But I'm I'm excited about Master. Am I right in thinking this is kind of a sequel to The Last Dragon? Well, I wouldn't call it that because sure. uh, it's a completely different uh, era. I mean, the character is like a grown-up version of Bruce Leroy from The Last Dragon. However, uh, it was inspired by uh, the films uh, that I grew up with, uh, the Shaw Brothers films and Bruce Lee and you know, all, all those amazing movies that I grew up with. I, it's almost like the musicals of the 1950s and stuff in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, they just vanished in a way. And uh, I see that, um, at least in America, this genre has, has died, you know? Yeah, I guess what's sort of died is that approach and that style of filmmaking as well, because they don't really film kung fu fight scenes like that anymore. No, I, I mean, you, the only, the Asian, you know, look at it, it Man with uh, Donnie yeah. Yen. He does it, but yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of, you know, uh, basically there are period pieces where the choreography is a big part of the whole entertainment value of the film. Yeah. And and uh, 
you know that I don't see it in America. I, I see Game of Thrones, which I enjoy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I, I think uh, Master is like a mixture of Game of Thrones and Kung Fu theater. You know. So that was the initial inspiration. Then was to come up with a concept that where you could try and you know replicate that magic of the old school Kung Fu movies. Then that that was your original idea with it. Yeah, that and yeah. Uh, also. I saw a need for uh, a, a character. You know, martial arts has got a brand in America that's kind of uh, just testosterone-driven madness and the spiritual aspects of it and the uh, the philosophy aspects of it have been fell by the wayside, you know? Yeah. So it was also uh, looking to bring that back because that was part of the whole Shore Brothers thing too. You know. How are you finding this process, this sort of crowdfunding? I know you've got an Indiegogo page set up there. There's lots of things that people can win if they invest lots of money and giveaways and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. are, you, are, you, are you enjoying that? It's a different ball game, isn't it? <laughs> I yeah, guess. Well, well, me and um, an IW group, we this is uh, our first time at an Indiegogo. And what, uh, oddly enough, it was it was kind of a experience and a, an experimental in the sense that we raised some money, but we didn't raise nearly what we wanted to raise. And and we didn't discover how what the problem was until later in the campaign. The thing was, uh, Telly and IW Group worked with me and Alamo Draft House and having a, a tour around the states in about, uh, what, about eight, nine, ten different cities and to draw interest. And what we found is that fans... When they came and hung out with me and you know and uh, had taken pictures, they got so fulfilled that they weren't going to the page as much to to buy things and to uh, experience because they already had spent so much time with me. Sure. And sure. the Q and A and everything. So so we found that the people were giving money when I did Facebook Live and they were buying things and 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 more engaged. Because they haven't, they don't see me in person, and they're getting a piece of uh, Master and 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 some Last Dragon pictures and so forth, uh, you know, from online. They're not with me, you know. So it was interesting. Yeah. And I guess it's easy then once they're online to just everything's set up now. If they want to just put over, a, you know, a few dollars just to, uh, you know, yeah, the process. It's dead exactly. easy to do that, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. That that's yeah. what we noticed is the thing is like the Facebook Live really was the key. Because uh, every time we I would do, we see donations, we see people buying things. We see, yeah. like, oh, okay, they're already on the computer. They're it's they're not in a movie theater hanging out with me, you know. Yes. <laughs> However, at the yeah. same time, it is good that I get out and be with fans, and so they can see what I'm up to and meet me in person. So uh, it's not like I, I, I you know, I still want to do uh, more screenings. I want to do make more appearances because they're great, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I have a really great time with people doing it. All right. Let me try some of your kung fu. There's uh, a few people really fired up to uh, get a last dragon two together, and and um, so uh, now I've got these different projects 
and they're all getting attention and it's a good thing with regards to doing a sequel to the last dragon is there some rights issues with that or anything I, it's it's one of those movies that i'm sure is it sort of protected and locked away in some studio somewhere and there you know some they're, yeah they're right protected well, you, know, that, or? you know it is uh you know it's a lot of the times it's about the money yeah <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. so so i'm not relying on it i'm just you know i'm just uh seeing that people would like to see it you know a lot of people so so uh i'm making the attempt uh my best attempt to come up with something that's going to be you know better than good and and extraordinary and and a lot uh, uh and that would be beneficial for uh sony as well you know so yeah you know i i, I left hollywood quite a while ago I uh, was not happy there, and I realized this is years ago. And I realized a lot of time went by, and uh, people keep asking me what's going on. Why aren't I in this uh, Expendables? Why aren't I in uh, this other Netflix series? And people don't understand that there's a um, uh, 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 you know there's a third party involved. There's agents and managers and this and that that are the ones that are the go between. Will an agent? Uh, believe in you and 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 push uh you in places that let's say uh a, ca- a cast director or a producer of a show let's say expendables uh oh i heard about him but i don't know him uh you know so you need yeah. agent you need agent either very stubborn and very aggressive or a very powerful agent but how do you, how do you get that agent uh how do you create that relationship so it, it's a lot of work you know you're auditioning still for, for no, staff I haven't as well, auditioned those in years. I haven't auditioned in years. I've been creating my own thing, you know? Yeah. In America, I don't know about Europe, but uh, they tend to treat actors badly, you know? Look at the thing that happened with Harvey Weinstein, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and that's, yeah, yeah. that's pretty pervasive, you know? So yeah. sometimes, you know, you, you, you'll go to an audition and, and uh, you know, they'll treat you a certain way. So that a lot of times that happens because you're not set they're not, they're, you're not set up properly by the agent or let's say a manager. So those experiences aren't always fun or they're not always uh, productive. You say something in your book, Ty, that I thought was interesting, where you say something along the lines of like uh, the the roles that are given, particularly to black actors. Uh, if you're if you don't want to play the gangster or you don't want to play the the funny man, then there's not much. I think you were referring back in the sort of eighties and nineties, I guess, the roles that you were being given then. Oh yeah. But do you well, think? But, but are we are, have we not progressed since then? Do you not think? You know. Yeah, <laughs> sure, uh, sure, sure. I mean, all this yeah, the Oscars, but I I, I think it's. Uh, there's two sides of the sword i think uh like i'll, I'll watch uh let's say the, the whole thing with oscars they'll put oh let's uh now uh put more black films and they you know they don't care if it's uh, a good film they you know let's just show uh black folks that we uh want to have them or you know or you see a really contrived relationship between a a white person or a black person or the, you know it's just it's so plastic and so so inauthentic you know so uh, that's why I've been focusing on my own things, and and uh, I've I haven't lost hope in in entertainment, and and but I have some doubts that Hollywood uh, really uh, has the sense of or the vision 
of what to put out. I mean, one of the things about Europe and, and spending time there when I was younger, there was a level of sophistication around uh, culture and race that I don't yeah. see, that I don't see here. You know, what I mean, look who we have for president. You know, what I mean, so yeah, maybe we're years behind. I don't know. I I, I just feel that uh, there's some some in, intelligence lacking with regard to race and how to approach it, and they, they're coming from fears rather than um, um, a vision. You know, what can be done about it though? Do you think people have to create intelligent projects? If you have yeah. a if you have a relationship uh, uh, with uh, different races, have fun with it. Uh, or and uh, make it something authentic. Like if you have a, a white friend or a black friend, an Asian friend, a Latino friend, it's not about the race 99% of the time. Yeah. yeah. 99% of the time, you're not saying, oh, that's my black friend or that's yeah. my white friend, you know? Yeah. No, <laughs> but exactly. when you go to movies, exactly. it seems like they have to always point out the fact that someone's black, white, or this or that. You know, yeah. there's a label for everything. Oh, this guy's gay, this guy's black. I'm like, okay, I, I kind of know that already. <laughs> I mean, by the <laughs> skin, that was the brilliance of the Last Dragon. Is that they had fun with it, you know? Absolutely. And it, you know, they pointed at Asian guys learning uh, black music and really enjoying it. So it was like, uh, it was like an honoring of of the black music and and, and black actors. We're honoring Asian culture. A martial arts champion in search of the glow. Master, I need more time. I am no longer your master. A rock and roll star on the rise. I know what it's like to lose precious things. A madman. Shogun of Harlem. A maniac. You're going to put my video on your show, aren't you? The answer is no. And the glamour, the power, and the sound of Motown. I don't want you to kill anybody. Are you out of your mind? And the Leroy Green I'm looking for is a little pop thinks he's a kung fu master. I am no master. You sure look like a master to me. This is Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon. I saw it again recently, just as a refresh. I remember seeing it years ago. I absolutely love that movie. It's so good. Uh, and then I had a refresh, and it's still really sassy, and it's the music's great, the fight scenes are great. It's still a really entertaining and great movie. But you're totally right. It's like a cross-cultural uh, movie. There's not many films like it, is there, really? You're, you're totally right. It's, it feels like a snapshot of what New York must have been like at that time in the 80s. You know, all these different communities just hanging out together. And it, it you know, almost seems like a timepiece now in a way, doesn't it? Oh, my God, yeah. It was a very violent city at that time. There were a lot of high yeah. crime, one of the most highest crime in the country, top three. Uh, yeah. So there was a dark side of it, but that was what... Uh, you know, Louis Venosa, the writer, he wanted to, you know, bring some levity to it and, and have an, yeah. entertain, an entertaining movie about these characters that would he would see walking around the streets of New York or at martial arts events. And uh, it was all ego driven. And he said, well, yeah. wouldn't it be great if there was a guy like Bully, you know, that really was, you know, a fanatic about martial arts and Asian culture and all that. And and he was the one that would 
uh, really get the power of martial arts and get the girl at the end, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and he would be the hero, you know? Yeah. This understated guy, you know, that didn't know anything, you know, yet had the integrity to be a, a quality human being with uh, quality skills as martial artist. Yeah. So it was like uh, wanting to raise that guy on the pedestal instead of the guy that's on steroids, that's showing off and beating people up and bullying people. So it was yeah. a great message for young people. And I mean, as much as it is a, an outrageous, there's some outrageous characters in there, then it is very much built on actual characters and people of the time. Isn't, isn't oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. There were yeah. guys walking around like Shona. You know, yeah. I, I wrote about you. You read about the character that I wrote uh, that was in my autobiography, the guy that was yeah. my autobiography, Doc Williams. That's he was, right. He, he was, was a, a real he was life a bouncer. Shona. He yeah. was a real life Shona. Yeah. Yeah. He was a real life Shona. He was a bouncer or something, but he was quite a, a threatening type. He was a martial artist. He was six foot five, yeah. big, scary guy, and he yeah. would beat people up. <laughs> and he had his cronies with him, you know. But that's the dark side of it, right? So, but that's yeah. what Lewis brilliantly did. He made fun of it. Having moved back to New York, Ty, do you recognize the New York from that time nowadays? Oh, no, like, not at all. No, 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 it's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only thing that's left is uh, the excitement of being in this city, and and there's so many different things going on in New York. It's an incredible city, it, but but that's a different city, the one that I grew up in back in those days. You know, artists could be artists struggling back then. Now you have to live with maybe five artists in one in one room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not too different to London, to be fair. <laughs> Do you kind of miss those days of New York as well, when it was a little bit sort of rough around the edges? Well, I was a kid looking to express myself and learn about um, myself and uh, and have a good time because I came from such a tough upbringing, you know. Yeah. So I wanted to get free, and I found fighting and martial arts. And going to the, the nightlife in New York as a kid, I mean, I was 16, going, you know, 17, I was just having a great time, Studio 54, uh, different clubs and and uh, the martial artists, we would all train and we'd go there at night. So it was the most amazing experience I could ever experience in that era, you know, from disco and, you know, you had, you know, you know, all kinds of David Bowie, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, you don't miss the violent part of it because it was, like I said, it was high crime. Yeah. So there was a dark side of it. But on the other side, you, you, it's priceless. You couldn't bother. Yeah. It. it just, it was too good. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
My superior kung fu will finish you off. You weren't born in New York, though. You were you you were born in Los Angeles. Yeah, my parents are from New York. They had a yeah a brief few years in in um, L.A. and that's where they had my brother and I, and then we came back to New York. And your parents were, uh, judging just from the book, they seem like quite sort of bohemian types. They were, yeah, you know, yeah, singers yeah. and, yeah. Is that yeah, a yeah, fair yeah. assessment? They were, yeah, yeah they, their whole thing. Uh, they, they were part of that whole crowd of artists in New York City that were really hip. And I grew up around all those characters, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Andy Warhol, all these people my mother friends with did you recognize that these people were quite a big deal i i didn't know that i didn't you know i was like nine years old or 10 years old 11 years old so i, I didn't know them as big stars i knew bruce lee as a big star i knew uh, yeah. muhammad ali muhammad ali uh you know all these people football and martial arts and uh movies they didn't have social media or uh internet uh or music videos so yeah, the only people I would know that were stars were actors, you know, John, Paul Newman or somebody. You know, you'd know that's a star because I saw him on that show. But yeah. people like Jimi Hendrix and and uh, David Bowie, I didn't know who they were. My they were just friends of my family, and they were just really nice people. Now, is this from your time in Europe? Then is it? This is when you, yeah. you grew up in Europe. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking yeah. early seventies. Yeah, yeah, in Europe, yeah. Uh, 70s in Italy, uh, 75. Uh, Andy Warhol, I met through my mother when I was around the time of The Last Dragon. There's a great story about, De- I love David Bowie, so any David Bowie story is uh, is great for me. But yeah, what's that story where you were living in London, your mum was running a restaurant here in London. Yeah. And was Bowie coming in there to like, it was quite a famous restaurant, Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, 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 my... Um, uh, uncle, well, he wasn't biologically my uncle, but he he was raising me, and my he was with us all the time. My mother introduced him to David Bowie, and he ended up being a backup singer for David Bowie. Wow. Um, so what happened was uh, obviously getting beat or something like that, or you know, by my parents or mother or whoever for being bad little kids or running around the streets of London doing crazy <laughs> things. Uh, you know, there were some problems at home. So uh, my brother ran away because uh, I would hang out with uh, David Bowie's son when we were kids. Zoe Bowie and um, Angie Bowie was hanging out with my mother, and it was all like friends and family. So my brother ran away from home, and was they found him at David Bowie's house. <laughs> David, <laughs> David called my mother as you mom. do. Yeah, but he was very not, he was very polite though, wasn't he? Oh, he was he was a sweetheart. He was great. Yeah, I, I you know as a kid, you never forget people like that. You know, of course. In and out of drugs, all of them, including my parents. You know, you would have been too young to really have understood all of that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because well, they, you know, it's like marijuana was around a lot, but we didn't see. You know, obviously they weren't stupid. They didn't have, you know, LSD hanging around yeah. kids. You know, so we didn't yeah. know if somebody was tripping on something unless we because everybody acted weird anyway. They were all artists. You know, <laughs> they were all artists and they were all freaky and funny and. And alive, they were alive though. But your your parents weren't doing the drug side of things as well, though, were they? Yeah, they weren't yeah, sort of yeah. mingling. Those sort of, they were did, okay. Like, yeah, it's the seventies. It's the heyday. This is the heyday yeah. of it. You know, they didn't know how bad it was till later. 
I'm fascinated by that time in London as well in the early 70s it's still coming out of that swing in 60s there there was a real uh, you know culture boom going on particularly here in London um, you were obviously quite young then but you, you were quite into sports you were starting to get into soccer yeah 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 did you have a football team that you yeah I, was, uh, I went to Chelsea and my brother played at Pimlico and I went to Parkwood primary school and, oh wow and Pimlico and and of course, we were part of every team. Of course, yeah, yeah? we were good. We were good at soccer. Yeah, football, yeah. football was everything. We loved it. So you'd look back at London as a sort of uh, fond memories. Oh yeah, of course. It was yeah. uh, every part of Europe was amazing. Yeah, you know, that's. Yeah. Uh, I'm. Um, although I'm here in America and I love America, there's there'll never be Europe to me. We were in and out of London from when I was like seven to eleven years old, and we were in and out. And then we were in Italy and Rome until I was like 14 years old. So, um, uh, you know, going to different schools and in different countries. And uh, the first day I got to Italy, I got in a fight with this kid because I had a big afro. And he was making fun. And I didn't speak Italian. And he was making fun of uh, my hair. He's like, well, go to the la capelli. Ah! <laughs> you know, look, at, look at his hair. Look at his hair. And and I was like, I got in a big fight with him. My father's funny; he's Italian, and he goes, he 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 found he found us, and he because he heard I got in this fight, and he grabbed me by the neck, another kid by the neck, and he pulled us together, and he looked at us. He said in Italian, he said, "You're gonna be friends from now on. From now on, you're gonna... <laughs> there was no way I was gonna be a friend with this kid. No, he was pulling my afro. It was the worst fight ever." <laughs> But the culture coming back to the stage was tough because I, I used to talk like you, mate. I had a British accent. Oh, no, really? <laughs> I had a cockney <laughs> accent. And yeah, so I got a lot of fights coming back to New York because they're making fun of my accent. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! You really should be ashamed. Do you call that a punch? <laughs> Did you pick up the martial arts by that stage? Or was well, I was, that doing, I was later? really young. I was doing it when I was yeah. really young. And then there was a hiatus when I was in Europe, and then, then I started again. Uh, but uh, I started when I was six with my father's best friend. That was uh, Aikido? Was that Aikido? That was karate. Um, karate. Yeah, karate yeah. And, and, and when I was very little. And then Aikido when I was 13. And then uh, I wanted something that was more like Bruce Lee because I saw him kicking a lot. Yeah. And, and I started doing Taekwondo for a long time. Yeah. Do you remember the first thing that you saw martial arts related where you were like, yes, that is, that's going to be my, my oh, thing. Can you remember? Well, yeah. I mean, I was in Europe and they didn't, at that time, the commercials, they didn't show violent parts of fights. Yeah. So I, it was like, a, it was weird. Like I saw, um, uh, what's it, uh, Bruce Lee and that was it. I was like mesmerized, you know, wow. this would have been just on a truck. On on the TV, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, "Who the hell's that?" I was like, "What the hell?" I never yeah. seen anybody like that. I went crazy. I went crazy. Yeah. yeah, but you would have been quite young. I mean, you wouldn't have been yeah, able to like, see yeah. his movies at that stage, right? Right. I was like eleven or twelve, and they yeah. didn't let you see. I guess they were R rated. I don't know. I guess so back then. Yeah, yeah. Because the the content of the violence or something. Yeah. Now it's like a video game. <laughs> yeah. 
it always surprises me that yeah some of those old movies that were x-rated you watch them now and it's like it's it's mad and then you see like john wick and that gets like a 15 like 15 year olds can see that it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's crazy um but yeah so that was the moment you saw bruce lee that was the big bang moment for you then was it and it was like yes yeah. this is this is what i want to want to be doing yeah and uh and then when i was in new york at 14 15 16 i was always going to these kung fu movies on 42nd street that was part of yeah them too Sunny yeah. Chiba, I have to mention Sunny Chiba too. Sunny Chiba, yes, of course, Big the Street part. Fighter. That's yeah. fantastic. I mean, so uh, just describe because obviously, as we were saying earlier, the New York of today is is very uh, it's very different to you know the old Forty Second Street and um, you know those old sort of grindhouse cinemas, I guess. But um, could you just paint a picture of what you you would have been a teenager going along and watching? You know these old kung fu movies. In you know what was the environment like? Oh, when you were going okay. Into these you things? know it's funny because when I was in Berlin, I, I didn't, I uh, wasn't there. Um, I, I would see some theaters. I, I saw some. It reminded me a little bit of uh, not, not not that the, it was violent. It wasn't. Vi- it's not violent in Berlin, but but just the, it's not. It's something about the. Uh, it reminded me of New York back in the day. Um, oh, really. But, yeah, but it's got um, an edge to it, hasn't it? Berlin's got an edge to it still. I'd, I'd yeah, say. well, also the artists. There's a lot of artists there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't see that in Manhattan much anymore, at yeah. all. But um, but uh, uh, back in the day, so I would come home from school, uh, and I would uh, uh, just put my stuff away, maybe do some homework, and then, but maybe not. Probably not. Yeah. I'd get on the train, and uh, you'd have a token back then. You get a token. You get on this clunky train, clack a that, clack a that, clack a that. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a, they called it the Iron Horse. And, sure. And you go to the Deuce, you know, Forty Second. Uh, yeah. You get out. You stick your chest out a little bit, like don't f with me, you know, because yeah. there was a bunch of junkies and con artists and rapists and muggers and everything else just around just surrounding the yeah, on that blog that was the worst blog yeah, yeah. and you yeah. so you must have been pretty nervous working your way through yeah 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 uh, when i got into theater i was nervous i made sure i didn't sit too close to anybody poor movies and martial arts movies that's the only thing to play there really some westerns sometimes it was cheap it was like two dollars it was like two or three dollars and you'd watch like three movies would there be like drug deals going on in there yeah, as well then yeah, and just yeah. like yeah yeah sell a weed you know, or yeah. you'd smell the weed when you walk in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but the, um, the culture was guys from different neighborhoods. We, we all, the one thing that was consistent was everybody loved these movies, these martial arts movies. So yeah. you, even though you didn't want to talk to anybody on a personal level in the theater, when when people would say something funny, everybody would laugh, you know. There's a culture there that was hilarious. Yeah, it sounds like there was a genuine sort of unique community uh, thing going on there just with those screenings and that love and appreciation of those old Kung Fu movies. That must have, uh, you know, that's hard to replicate nowadays, isn't it? I guess what that must have felt like. To yeah, have I mean, there uh, again, well, The Last Dragon was a cartoon version of it. You know, They made it, they brought levity to yeah. it. But just imagine... Uh, that scene where I was in, in the uh, theater being more real violent. <laughs> it's not funny. It wasn't funny. You know, but there was, yes. a, but at the same time, there was yeah. a lot of funny things that happened. Yeah. 
Can you remember? So this would have been your first exposure to, I'm guessing, a lot of Shaw Brothers stuff, a yeah, lot of Bruce Lee exactly. movies. Master yeah. Killer, Gordon Liu, you know, the Shaolin movies, uh, 18 Bronze Men. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh my God. It was, it went Great crazy. films. I went crazy when I saw Shogun's Assassin, the Samurai movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 1980, I think, came out. Yeah, that's amazing. So, um, okay, so you were going there to 42nd Street, you were watching all these movies, and you were training, and you were competing at this this stage as well. Yeah, yeah, I would leave and go kickbox at nighttime. I would take a train for like 45 minutes in the freezing cold, and I would train all night in a freezing cold gym called City Star Kickboxing. They didn't have any kickboxing around. It wasn't common, so you'd have to find... Uh, place and you and you go to the different kickboxing events and you find out who you know you see who was a good fighter and you say who's your coach and you say oh it was City Star Eddie Eddie Incarnacion he's good yeah so you go over there <laughs> and you were happy to just like go along to wherever and sort of pick up where because I guess there wasn't it's not like nowadays where you'd you just go on the internet I guess and you just type in kung fu school and this is there yeah no, no yeah, exactly yeah. exactly. And everything was more traditional. You go to a karate studio, you're going to clean their floors at the end of the workout, and, you, and you're going to bow, and, you, and you're going to get your ass beat if you disrespect yeah. anybody. <laughs> you were there for the self-defense purposes at this stage then, because as you were yeah, saying, it was yeah, quite yeah. violent in New York at that time. And yeah. yeah so, so Everybody did martial arts because they didn't want to get their ass kicked. Yeah. That's, that's what people did. Yeah. There was no, there was, yeah. 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 At least those type of martial arts. Um, I've got to say, obviously, you know, you were trained, of course, by Ron Van Cleef. I don't know if he's still a is he still a friend of yours? You keep in touch with with Ron quite a bit. Not much, not much. But uh, he, when we were when I was a kid, uh, he was one of the guys I looked up to because he was like feared among a lot of people in the, New York as a good, really great fighter. He yeah. was a karate champion, and he didn't mess around, you know. Yeah. And he was really tough instructor, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, he came out of Vietnam and. You know, and Marine and, and that type of thing. So uh, uh, definitely he was somebody that I want to make sure I learned from one of the toughest guys. And and, and he was one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's the he's the real deal, isn't he, really? I mean, you, you, you can see that even in the, you know, the Black Dragon, the, f- the films that he was making. He's when he's doing yeah, his exactly, kata. He's, exactly. yeah, he's. You knew that he was a real absolutely. fighter. Yeah. Probably. There was a difference when he threw a kick or a punch. Or a chop, and some of these other guys did. Yeah, and that's what I recognized right away because I was fighting already before I saw him. And then I said, "Okay, I can tell he's real, real." And then I said, "Okay, I'll train with that guy." And um, you know, and he was like a UFC fighter before they had the UFC. I mean, in fact, he was the oldest guy ever to f- go into the UFC. Yeah, he lost to Hoist Gracie, but but still, uh, that was uh, the attitude back in the days in New York City. In those days, you'd move your car the wrong way. A guy would scream at you from his car and want to get out with a bat. Yeah. Guys that literally carried bats in their car. <laughs> wow, wow. I found, uh, for me, especially coming from that environment, that transformation was the most important part of martial arts. Yeah. You know? It's the things that Bruce Lee talked about. And transformation in all aspects of martial arts and, and integrity. You know? So, so, you know, so you're training you know, it has to have integrity, and, and meaning that it has to, you know, you have to ch- be challenged and open to, to the training, and you have to work very hard, yeah. and there's discipline and all those things, and then there's life, so martial arts uh, should 
be something that you learn from on a spiritual basis, finding your your inner uh, 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 um, passions and your inner spirit that can drive uh, you to be the best person you can be in every area of your life. That that's the real, you know, being a leader, having courage. You know, those are all the things that make a great martial artist. Not obviously, the fighting is not the main thing. The fighting is only for self defense. Yeah. You know, or in some they have sports, but but uh, as far as martial arts and life, uh, it's all about courage, fear, and leadership, and 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 uh, action. <laughs> You're a monk. You're not supposed to kill. Have you any mercy? How much did you know about the Last Dragon before you were auditioning for it, or was it? Um, well, just uh, imagine if, uh, let's say, I don't know, Jay Z said, "We're going to make the next uh, big martial arts film with a hero." That's it's just like a Black Panther. Yes. You know? Yeah. But imagine it being never done before. You know, like never seeing uh you know a martial arts hero like that you know of color yeah you know because i guess ron van cleef and jim kelly they were the they were big yeah predecessors yeah exactly yeah yeah but i guess you know that's the 70s and then we're going into the 80s now 15 years yeah 10, 10, 10 years or more that you didn't see, you know. That was the initial vision. They were going to do uh, a martial arts movie, film in New York. It was going to have a black hero. That's all you knew about that movie at that time. Yeah, but he's not going to be a hard ass. He's not going to be a. He's going to be a positive role model. He's yeah. going to be something that you can aspire to be like humble, humble. Yeah. And these yeah. other guys, you know, not putting down uh, Jim Kelly or Ronnie Cleef, they were all hard asses, tough guys. Yeah. Huh? And, yeah. uh, you know, it's like today, you know, it's like a lot of the neighborhoods, you know, the kids, black or white, you know, it's about being a tough guy, you know, no, no, it's about being a man, but also being humble. You were, what, eight, 18 when you auditioned for that movie? 19. And 19. I, no, that's wow. Right. Yeah. No acting experience at all? No, I did some school plays, but as a kid, but that is it. I mean... It's a remarkable story. It's one of those stories that you kind of you read about, but you don't think will ever <laughs> that that doesn't actually happen. But um, but it did actually happen to you, didn't it? So that's uh, that's pretty incredible. Well, yeah. I mean, I always, you know, Barry Gordy. Uh, you know, although I can say some bad things about him, the good thing about him was that he, you know, he influenced me in the sense and made me believe who I that I was. He said that you, you know, you got the thing that most people don't have. He said. Michael Jackson and Marvin Gaye. He, he was mentioning that there was a thing that I had that I that I didn't know at first, you know. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you know, I I was popular, you know, and when I used to go out and stuff like that with my friends, but I didn't know what it, that it thing that he was talking about until I was working on the Last Dragon and I felt it, you know. And it, what it is it's just a. Uh, an energy that you have a level of confidence that that's not forced is 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 with you, and yeah. that, I still feel that that confidence, you know. So yeah. when I step in front of a camera, it's very easy, you know, for me to feel that way. Did, but that that's one thing I'd say good about him. He did bring that out for me. Yeah, and didn't they hire? They'd hired someone else, hadn't they? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, I 
did terrible in the first audition and then I yeah. went back and then they fired the guy because he didn't sign the contract or they didn't have a contract with him and they hired me. I mean that was fortuitous, wasn't it? I guess in a way or was I mean you just worked you just worked really It was hard destiny. It, it was meant to be. You know? Yeah. Meant to be. I mean I was yeah. you know, definitely designed I was definitely designed to play that role, I can tell you that much. Looking back now it's thirty thirty odds years now. Um it's still it's still such a great entertaining film, isn't it? It still it still plays really really well. It's such a strange film because there's so as I say, it's Motown uh, produced, so it, it works as kind of a music video or a way to promote you know a lot of the Motown artists and you know the the accompanying soundtrack. But it is a you know the message is 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 very good as well, isn't it? From a from that martial arts. Well, it's a, it's an odd thing that Barry Gordy doesn't come out of his cloud and 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 really talk about how great that movie is you know yeah i mean it's the only project he put his name on that i know of, you know yeah uh, it's barry gordy's I mean, the last dragon isn't it like yeah. that's the title on the on the title card yeah yeah uh and whether uh like in as you read in my um autobiography um the the, the, the disconnect that we had was when i didn't sign a contract um however uh he he told me he was going to be at the meeting and there was a real bad guy at the meeting that that, that was really rude, and, and I didn't sign a contract because uh, it was like being brokenhearted, like almost like a father image uh, 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 um, promises you something, and that will work it out, and then sends sends the evil uh, aunt or somebody to demean me and, and, and make me feel horrible, yeah, and uh, yeah. So that's the reason why I didn't move forward with, and then I haven't talked to him since. Yeah, yeah. did he? He just sort of shut you down after that when right, he signed right, that contract. Right, yeah, right. Do you think? I mean, you know, you were only nineteen then, and it's pretty I mean, bad, right? Made, it's pretty bad, right? It's like it's, blame, blame me a nineteen-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. That's 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 crazy. And I guess if you know, because the shoot went so well, and the movie was a uh, was a hit, wasn't it? It made its money back. It yeah, well, like, it did. Uh, but the thing was, uh, uh, he had. And and TriStar at the time had bigger expectations, but they had but heads because they they pegged it a black movie and they did not promote it. It was not yeah. promoted outside of uh, the radio stations and black black radio stations stuff like that. So although it went as high as number two in the country, it dropped right out of the of the rankings. But uh, you know it, it, he was so right in that. It wasn't, you know, I've been on this tour and it was mostly white people that were at the, these theaters. So it's very odd that uh, TriStar at the time, or well, maybe it's not so odd because it was 1985, that they wouldn't promote it to uh, all audiences uh, in the marketing of it, you know? Yeah, do you feel that was its undoing then that they pigeonholed the movie to just one specific audience? Because you're yes. right, it's such a cross-cultural and fun uh, movie. It's it's not it's not just for one audience, is it? It's so short-sighted to to even think that. But you know, maybe was that well, just the way ignorant, Hollywood that's the was? I'm telling you about that I was telling yeah. you about earlier. That's ignorance I was telling you about. That, yeah. that the labeling of something is the downfall of a culture, of, yeah. a, of a country. Um, these people yeah. and those people, they're it's good for them. And it was such a so it's such a lie. Such a lie. Yeah. 
when you see the movie now, you must be quite impressed. You know, I mean, I, when I watch it again, your acting is very good in it. It seems from uh, someone it's who's okay. never... It's okay. someone I've never no, acted before. It's yeah, it's, well, this is what I mean. Like, from a first movie, I mean, you know, and this it's quite demanding of you because you're not only doing, you know, there's a relationship at the heart of the movie. You're doing, you know, there's a romance going on. There's action scenes. There's lots of peril. Like, there's a lot of different emotions that you've got to... You know, portray as well as leading the, this movie. I mean, you must be kind of, you know, impressed looking back and being like, "Yeah, buddy, I was nineteen, first movie, and that's quite a lot to take. It's quite a lot to take on, isn't it?" Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. It was. It was. Uh, yeah. And there was all kinds of characters that wanted the part. They were trying to, you know, treat me really bad. They were working on the set. And they were, you know, they wanted the role. Yeah, it was a lot to take on. I mean, because you had to deal with haters as well as lovers. <laughs> but you just had a real confidence, did you, on sets? You were like, no, no, I've got this. This is this is going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Barry Gordy and the acting coach, Richard Fancy, helped a lot. You know? Yeah. Because it was Barry Gordy's baby. He was on set every day. He was working with me every day. He, was, he knew that if I didn't perform well... You know, then the movie was not going to work. You know? Yeah, and he was supportive as well. Then he was uh, sort of quite nurturing on, on yeah, sets. Yeah, very much yeah, so. Yeah. Of course, that's why it was very upsetting for me when uh, you know when he didn't show up at the meeting with uh, to do more movies. Yeah. And uh, I stayed at his house, you know, in, in Beverly Hills. Really, that was after that was after the movie. Then, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, I stayed at his house during the premiere of the movie. We, it was a huge premiere in L.A. at Century City with all these stars showed up and everything, yeah. Do you have any regrets about that sort of stage after the movie? I know that that contract was initially offered to you there for Motown, but, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, you didn't, you know, sign it in the end. I mean, do you think... No, I, was, do you, I don't have any regrets or anything in my life. The, yeah. the thing was, I was too young uh, and too and balance emotionally to be able to deal with uh it would have been I, I would have probably had a really tumultuous uh time as a young star doing another movie i, I, did, I wasn't emotionally stable i was a kid and i didn't have the background of uh you know there was no real trust uh going on between me and uh these people yeah and i guess you know, being thrown into that hollywood system before even really understanding how that works because it's such a ruthless industry isn't it you know and you're you're dealing with you know huge it's x and you know it's yeah, a real yeah um, yeah i'm happy that i didn't it didn't work out you know because i was yeah. able to find myself i wouldn't have found myself with them but you had fun uh, uh, working with julius carey uh show enough the shogun of harlem yeah of all of them he's really chewing the scenery, isn't he? He's so good in that film. He, he was, was so he was funny. excellent. Was yeah, the best. Um, Vanity was beautiful and yeah. she's like a shining light. Unfortunately, she's gone. And so yeah. Julius, everybody was just amazing. Yeah, Vanity was a singer in her own. Was she a star in her well, own? You know, she'd she come got, from a she group, wasn't she? Prince early on, and then she was. Yeah, trying. that's right. One of the reasons why she did the last dragon, she was trying to give her a more wholesome, wholesome image. But of course, yeah. Hollywood was already smitten by his sexually charged uh, stuff that she did with Prince, so it was like no coming yeah. back. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but uh, however, she did a great job with the Last Dragon. You know, it's just yeah, like, she's fantastic. She needed, she needed a real great management team to start 
getting her other roles that weren't so sexually charged. Yeah, you kind of had a uh, sometimes positive, sometimes negative relationship on set. Is that fair to say? Yeah, we went on a few <laughs> dates in the beginning, but when we yeah. started shooting, she got real bossy. Like you know, you should sit there don't, during the scene. You know, tell me what to do. Really? And I was like, look, there's only one director at least. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and Julius obviously he was a good uh, he he was a good laugh uh, on set then was he? Yeah, he would start fights with me, but he was afraid to fight for real. <laughs> so he'd run away when I approached him. He was hilarious, but because yeah. I was laughing every time, he would, he was very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he would stay in character all the time, just, just sort of shouting around the set. Yeah, then, he'd have his cronies scare people. And he, you know, he just took over the whole role when he was showing up on his in his costume. At these screenings that you go to, is everyone sort of shouting the lines back? And uh, I can imagine kiss my Congress yeah. and all this stuff yeah, is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah they they go crazy. They love it. I mean, looking back now and seeing that instant, you know, the 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 adoration that that film has has gathered over the years. Are you? Uh, are you surprised in a way? Because did you do you feel that the film was undervalued at the time? And that, oh, very you know, now much it's, so. Very yeah. much. So. I mean, I mean, it was worse than undervalued. It was almost like they didn't want it to be seen. You know? Yeah. It's. It was. I don't know. It was strange. Very strange. Yeah. I think maybe Barry Gordy had something to do with that. I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't. You know, pushed this at all. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. But the thing is, it's love now. So that's what's. And yeah. people are learning now. And we do live in a time of reboots and remakes and that kind of thing. I mean, do you think, you know, so there could be a Last Dragon set to something else just around the corner? I know you're, well, I you're, got some you're working smart, on it. talented people around me, you know, uh, that, that really want that to happen. So, you know, all I can do is just keep training and, and keep having fun, you know? But yeah. that, that's the main thing, you know, and get better and better, you know? Because... Yeah. Uh, you know, the the circle can come around. It just, you know, if it's in the stars, it'll happen. I'll yeah. I'll do my very best. The sign outside says this here school is for instructions in the martial arts. So we thought we might get some lessons. Yeah, when we sign up, how many? I like to learn some kung fu. Come on, hot stuff. Come on, Leroy. Teach me something. I do not wish to fight you. Well, who do you wish to fight then? One of them? Or one of the ladies, maybe? Yeah, since you're too much of a sissy to fight me, maybe they're more your speed. Get him, girls. Maybe you can get a rise out of this limp wimp. Are you still doing the taekwondo the, the, or the, the well, kickboxing? Do you mix it yeah, up quite yeah, a bit? Well, I, you know, I do a little of everything. You know, I'm, yeah. I study with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with uh, Marcelo Garcia. I... Um, do karate that I've been doing all my life and boxing. My stepfather was a big boxing coach. So I mix it up and then I add some of my own. I, you know, I studied yeah. Shaolin with Sifu Xiaomin. You know, so, you know, I, I like uh, all of it. I love it. Yeah. Is it easier or harder as you're getting older? Are you noticing any sort of, uh, you know, well, changes no, no. In, the, in the body? Yeah, of course you feel different. <laughs> yeah. But um, like Bruce Lee... I'm a dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Ty, thank you so much for um, for talking to me today. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was great talking to you too, and um, I'll be seeing you soon out in the UK. 
time Mike Guariello there. Great to talk to him. Great to chat about The Last Dragon. It is a really fun movie. And if that chat doesn't make you want to get out your copy of The Last Dragon and jump around the room, then I don't know what will. Or maybe that's just me. Anyway, there is a rather excellent Blu-ray edition of The Last Dragon which came out to commemorate the 30th anniversary of the film's release. Uh, That's a great version of the film. If you don't have that already, then make sure you get that in your collection. Uh, You can keep up to date with the latest developments from Tymok by following him on Instagram. His Instagram name is at IamTymok. And he's on Twitter as well. And you can learn all about Master on the Indiegogo page. uh, And also check out that test footage as well on YouTube. Also, we need to try and get Ty Mark over here to the UK to do a Last Dragon screening. I don't know how these things are organised or how you go about doing this. But um, Foo followers, if any of you out there do uh, have the ways and means uh, to put on events like this, it really would be awesome to see the Last Dragon on the big screen and also get Ty Mark over here in the UK to do a live Q&A. It would be an awesome event. So I'm just throwing that out there. I have no vested in interest in that other than it would just be a wonderful thing to do and to, and to see as well so anyway that's about it for this episode of the show i would like to thank george dennis for his ongoing technical support i would also like to thank you the listeners thank you so much for downloading and listening to this episode of the kung fu movie guide podcast remember you can keep up to date with the latest martial arts movie news reviews and analysis by heading over to kungfumovieguide.com and following us on twitter instagram and facebook i will see you again in two weeks time for another episode of the kung fu movie guide podcast thank you so much take care bye for now What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.